Hello and welcome to the Bee Church Podcast. I'm Eric Swanson. And I'm Jenny Edwards-Bertrand. And in this podcast, we hope to address the leadership needs of the local church. Eric, did you know this is our fifth podcast? Oh man, we're getting old. <laughs> we're getting old. <laughs> hey, in this episode, we are going to do part two of discussing uh, communication, communication channels in the local church. The last one, I got to rattle on about a new church start. I get to create these forms of communication. If we don't communicate well, it's my fault. (laughs) But today, I'm going to get to interview you. You're in an existing church. You inherited channels of communication, and I want to hear how you do communication well in a in an existing congregation. Yeah, so this is my third appointment since becoming a full-time pastor, my fourth total church gig, if you want to think about it that way. I did get to do kind of new churchy things with Wesley Foundations while in seminary at Uh University of Denver Campus Ministry. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Uh, (laughs) Totally stoked that you get to do it. Uh, But yeah, like most of the people in the Methodist church, we all have churches that are like 180 years old. Um, And we inherit everybody's hot mess of communication. And so... (laughs) Gosh, in a hundred years, communication has changed dramatically. Well, we still have our telegraph machine in the office. You do not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we should say that we are enjoying delicious coffee at Ivy Lane Bakery in Bloomington. Yes. Yes, we are. (laughs) Yes. So any background noise is beautifully made by real people. Yes. As this is a real podcast coming from real pastors. Yes. (laughs) Not that anyone else is fake. Sorry, I'm not like judging. <laughs> it's so good to get to interview you. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> uh, so talk about what kinds of communication channels you sense from your own experience, from talking to other clergy, are inherited when you go into a church. How How's communication happening? Yeah, so I'm going to start with the the minute that you and a staff parish relations committee say we love each other let's get married um, <laughs> and and the is appoint- that how it happens in the appointment system it feels like it it feels like an arranged marriage um, <laughs> to some of us no it's good um, but you show up and you have that initial interview and you get done with it and then if you're like me, you get an old school photo directory of your congregation. That's your first piece of communication. And that's a piece of communication to the community inwardly focused uh-huh. of who they are. Um, just a little bit. You don't think of it very often, but that's the first one you get as a pastor. Yeah. Gosh, I remember memorizing names. Oh, I can't. Uh, <laughs> good for you. Uh, my wife memorizes them for me and stands okay. next to me for like the first month um, until I can get it. Um, but you get that, and then you inherit in the local church, I would say, a very kind of normative set of communication patterns. And I would argue that it's still fairly valid today. You get a church that relies on communication through snail mail. So okay. you send out formal letters, and again, from that first interview, they're going to get a letter in the mail that says, Pastor so-and-so is going to be showing up at our door July 1st, uh, typically. Mm-hmm. And, and so they get a letter about who you are. Like a and form letter? A form letter on church letterhead that was printed. Photocopied. Yeah. Well, might have been photocopied, but some people are still really proud and have it printed somewhere. Okay. Um, and it's the best paper in the office. So if you like to write handwritten notes, go steal it. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, then you have church announcements that are a part 
formal part of the structure of the church, and mm-hmm. I have inherited multiple versions of that. Um, if you're lucky, church announcements are done at the end of worship. There's one, maybe three maximum, and they're mm-hmm. short, sweet, and to the point. That's what I keep going on in my church right now, uh, and I'll convert all of them to it. That being said, I've inherited the ones where people pass around a microphone at the beginning of worship, and 15 minutes later, you learn who has gout and who is having a breakfast sausage thing locally, and um, none of those things are really vital to the mission of the church. So you have those things going on. And then after the verbal communication like that and the the letter form of communication, most churches now have some form of a website. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, some of them are great, and they're full of great images and super detailed. And some of them, again, are old GeoCities websites that are archived (laughs) on Yahoo. What about the ones that have the stock photos? Oh, do not... All the people in our church are beautiful. The best quote I ever heard was, never use stock photography because the same picture is used in a Viagra ad. Um, um, There's a church in Arizona that their style guide says that. Just know that every stock (laughs) photo is used by Viagra. Um, And so just don't use the pretty people like that. Um, It's awkward. It's awkward. So you've got snail mail announcements that you hope to keep short right but it they may not be short right and a church website church website and then a newsletter newsletter yeah these are these printed things that come out in the (laughs) mail against snail mail usually Uh uh-huh and they're usually like six to twelve pages long and single spaced and black and white because colored copies cost money and copies Cost money. I can't imagine the amount of money that's spent, staff time, paper, uh, copying, and then mailing. Right. Well, a newsletter can take a lot of time. Um, I know I've been places where they've had dedicated staff people to probably half their job was creating a newsletter, and that was a full-time position. Wow. Um, and so it can spend lots of energy there. If you are photocopying it, I mean, depends on the number of people, but it's an expense. Postage, you get bulk rate, but still, it's it's a line item. It's something yeah. you have to plan for. Uh, it's an intentional decision. Right. And so you can still do a newsletter. I still do a newsletter to this day because there's an, a standard mode and a, a group of people in my church that this really is effective to. Yeah. Um, we do not mail our newsletter out the way we used to. I mail it to certain people on a, a shut-in list, which is a very traditionally older group in our church okay. that have physical limitations. Um, and I would argue that for all the ones that I still mail it to, their limitations are such that even like getting up and going to their computer is harder than um, someone coming over to them and handing them their mail. So it's beneficial to send it to them this way. Um, and it's a touch it's from a, the church. It's a to touch. It, it's a physical connection. Yeah. For them, they don't get out. They need physical things more and more. That being said, we email a PDF of a monthly newsletter that we create that's usually no more than four pages at this okay. point. Um, it has articles written from lay people, something from me about our mission and vision and where it's going in this current moment and season of our church, or something really, really high-end important going on. We don't try to fill it with fluff. We don't fill it just to make space. Um, 
and then we do email it. We can see how many people open our emails. We have a good open retention rate. We use MailChimp to send it, uh, mm -hmm. attached it to that. Um, and we also use MailChimp for a weekly e-newsletter. Okay. Uh, so I can tell the, the statistics how many people open and read uh, that information. And we have people of all ages who actually will open that email, and I can tell that. I can tell yeah. that the youngest people actually do open it and read it. Uh, I'm not talking children here, but, you know, yeah. our youngest members. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got 80-year-olds who, um, an 87-year-old is our oldest one recipient, mm -hmm. and she opens it all the time. She gets around just fine. She likes technology, so yeah. it works. So it's not based on age. Right. So it cut yeah. down our staffing, knowing that it's only a four-sheet. Lay people submit a lot to it. Our staffing is layout and mm -hmm. hopefully catching all of my spelling errors. Um, <laughs> I hear about it when we don't. Oh, so you know people are reading it. Oh, baby, you they do. They catch your <laughs> grammatical and spelling errors. Yes, it yeah. is. It's a church game we play. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, uh, aside from that, we cut costs by not mailing it as much as we used to and not printing as many copies as we used to. And we're actually able to use more color because we're saying as a PDF, we're not getting charged for that document now uh, yeah. being in color. And someone wants to print pretty. it, they can print it. Who cares? Yeah. It's their dime then. Yeah. Uh, but we can make it pretty and functional, have high-res images attached to it, and all that works because we make it as a PDF. Okay. So those are all of what you inherited. What have you added? Well, we did the changes to the newsletter because I inherited it as a monthly text-based large-scale document and I've inherited that everywhere I've gone in that format and that mode and that tradition mm -hmm. um, and I, I think everywhere is wrestling with that that to, to go forward um, I'm still finding that almost everywhere you go you if you want to reach any social media networks you have to create it okay um, our church did have a small footprint in Facebook land but largely due to the youth group and they have their own page mm -hmm. um, and so my first finding I thought I was finding the church page and I found the youth group okay um, and so we, we've grown our Facebook presence from my wife and I <laughs> and, <laughs> and now you know we have about twice as many people as our average worship attendants who follow it as a stream of conversation and communication okay. Um, so we use that social media outlet. We do a little bit of Instagram. We don't have the greatest connection in our community with it. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had more. It's easy for me to use, but um, I can't make people use whatever they want to use is what they'll use. Yeah. Um, we've changed uh, some of our communication in that I've automated a lot of it. Um, okay. Now, when you automated it, did this come from just you created these systems maybe you're an excel spreadsheet master ninja master or have you found church databases to be helpful uh we have a church database that does it we had a giant excel sheet um, <laughs> and we had a rolodex still on oh, my secretary's really? desk yes <laughs> a rolodex um, and i could see where people got new cell phone numbers where it was scratched off and the new one was added and somebody <laughs> had a printed a label maker machine thing over it because they had that many changes um uh, but we we subscribed to alexio uh, i've looked at a lot of different church management softwares and i love this one and none of them are perfect. I'll say that out of the shoot. But this one allows me, like, one of the communication things is I want my church to know I'm praying for people. Mm -hmm. And so I've set a schedule where everyone who is a member 
and an active regular participant, I pray for them on a regular basis. Okay. Um, How do you so, remember to do that? Well, I use the software. I created groups of people. And so when it's your week that I'm going to pray for you specifically, not that I won't pray for you outside of it, mind you, uh, but when I'm mm-hmm. going to pray for you specifically that week by name, um, you get an email from the database and I get an email from the database with the entire list and everyone gets an individual email. Wow. You don't see everyone else who's on that list, but you get you know, from Eric to you um, saying that, Pastor Eric is praying for you this week. If there's any specific prayer requests that you have, please reply uh, to this message, and then it would forward that reply to my email. So your church database not only just keeps track of data, it also is an administrative tool for you. It's an administrative communication tool for me. It helps okay. me keep on top of my needs to pray for my church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can forget. I mean, we're human. You mm-hmm. could, if you... Not that you're forgetting to pray, but you might forget and not pray for somebody because you didn't see them for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, this puts all the names in front of me on a regular scheduled basis, and it puts them in contact with me because they get a message. It doesn't say this is automatically generated. It just says, you know, now hello, you know. your name, this list, Pastor Eric's praying for you. And I wrote it once. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who can copy and paste and do it, but it automates it for me, and we don't miss anybody, and we don't forget to send it. Wow. What about if someone new joins your church? I add them to a list. Okay. Um, when I add you to the database, I've got a form of questions that it automatically asks me, and it'll oh. help me put you into different groups. Okay. Wow. So. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a little bit of a nerd to do this well. Yeah. It, well, if you're going to communicate, the, the worst assumption you can ever have is that you actually effectively communicated the first time you tried. Um, yeah. So if you're trying to have good communication, you need to spend a lot of time um, perfecting and tweaking and wrestling with communication tools. And when you inherit a bunch from a church, you can't assume that those work. Um, I I found that people skip reading newsletters, and so just mailing them, you have no clue how many people read it or how many people threw it in the trash the minute they received it. Mm -hmm. Um, Now when I email them, I can tell how many people opened them. I can tell who opened them. Um, yeah, so a good database system is just crucial. Whether your church is 180 years old, it, it's 183. Or one, <laughs> it's 183. Yeah. Wow. Or if mine is 3.5 years old, it kind of doesn't matter. You have to have a good database. That's right. All right. Um, and again, to assume when you inherit one that what you have works is a bad decision to make. Mm-hmm. Start with what you have. Everything start with what you have and. The Rolodex. The Rolodex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I dis- when I got to the Wesley Foundation, there were not alumni records. I discovered that they had all been on a beautiful Rolodex with detailed information that was all in the 80s put onto kind of an old computer system, not backed up. Mm. And then that computer crashed and they lost all of it. Wow. So I had to find what I could find to rebuild that. Now it's all on the cloud. Yeah. I, the office can burn, and we still have the information. Yeah, and mine is all cloud-based as well. Yeah. That being said, I'm a little OCD because um, I remember in my undergraduate sitting in the religious studies department at the University of Iowa watching a PhD student come in crying because he had saved all of his dissertation on a zip drive. Remember oh, those old things? Oh my gosh, yeah. And the one zip drive he'd saved it to 
failed. Oh. Um, so I do have manual backups. I do I too. So do I. <laughs> I actually keep it in my fireproof safe at home. Yes. Once a year, a reminder comes up on my calendar, print the database oh. for both ministries, and then I put them in so that you might lose a year of data, but that's it. Friends, we are learning this right now about each other. <laughs> we didn't plan this part of that conversation, but we're both nerds. We both do this. Yeah. If two people are doing it in, in effective ministry, please go and do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't want anyone, if I got hit by a bus, I wanted to make sure, like, whoever follows me has this information. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and save your password for Pete's sake. <laughs> when you die, somebody needs it. Somebody uh, needs it. Anyway, going on, um, thinking about other communication methods, like your church is full of them and you just don't know it. And some of them are helpful and some of them are hindrances. So we talked about the newsletter. Um, we talked about some automated ones I added. Um, but the hardest part isn't adding new communication methods. It's changing existing ones. Okay. Now, a newsletter going to email, not so scary. Getting more pictures makes people excited. Change the bulletin. Uh, What's a bulletin? A bulletin is a piece of paper <laughs> that people get and expect uh, Every when they Sunday show morning. up. Yes, and it's it's newsletter junior. It's the actual important stuff from your newsletter, and that's at least what mine have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I dislike those. The one I hand out now is the size of my wallet. In fact, it is the same measurements of my wallet. I took my wallet and measured it to make the size of the bulletin. Okay, uh, so that be- people could take it with? That's right. The front hmm. cover is a graphic. You can use that as a handout evangelism tool. Hey, come to my church. This is mm-hmm. what happens. So the graphic on one side, on the back side, uh, very, very, very simplified order of worship. Now you can walk th- your neighbor through what does it mean to come to this church, and the graphic reminds you of what my sermon was actually about for Sunday, <laughs> uh, in case you already forgot yeah. <laughs> by the time lunch was over. Yeah. Um, and on the inside is only stuff that is relevant to Sunday morning and three announcements total, and they're the same announcements I make at the end of service. Okay. So that you don't have to write those down and carry them home with you. Wow. Um, so I tell you where the nursery is, I tell you where the bathrooms are, and I tell you where our website and information points at the church are. Okay, so even your communication is about communication. That's right. It's how to enhance yep. somebody's connection to our church. Yeah. How do they keep and feel connected as a part of our community. Now, when you started, you talked about the pass the mic, everyone gives their announcement. Um, Kill that on day one. (laughs) Well, how do you determine what is or is not important? I've heard pastors say that the announcement time is as crucial to their mission as a congregation in their community life as prayers or sermon are. No. No. No, I, I don't do this either, but how, from your perspective, why? Because most of the announcements aren't full church announcements. Most of the time, somebody comes up and says, I want to talk to men's ministry. Well, if you have an ideal world church and it's 50-50, you're only reaching half your congregation. The other half is checking out. Now, men's ministry, I'm sorry, guys. There's, at least in the metho world that I'm in, there's more women that go to church than men. Um, mm-hmm. So you're not even reaching 50% of your congregation. So when the guys come up and say, we're going to go have a cookout, great, you're going to have a cookout. But make sure they communicate with their own set of tools through a text message, an email, whatever. It's not a church announcement. I only make announcements if it impacts the entirety of the congregation or it is mission critical. So 
the mission and vision of our church if it is something that is directly going to impact those two um, that's an announcement everything else is um, made outside of worship if George runs up to you right before worship and yeah. says he needs to announce the men's potluck I tell him no all right, then do you have a follow-up with him to teach him how to communicate with them? Yep. Or how, how do you help people communicate in other ways? Yep. Um, at the beginning, you have to say, I'm really sorry. I have my announcements already pre-planned for this service. Mm-hmm. If you would like to have um, something considered to be an announcement, uh, you need to speak to me no later than Thursday of the week that worship's okay. going to happen because things are printed on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's when I have them printed. Um, and then... When they talk to you, you let them know that ultimately you're the gatekeeper mm-hmm. of announcements. It's not a free-for-all. And but when they want to know how to communicate, so how do I communicate with the men? Oh, then I give them access to the database. Yeah. Um, I give them access to all the information I have. I give them Facebook access. I'm talking about worship announcements at this point that yeah. we brought up. Worship is critical. Um, it, it is the face of your church mm-hmm. in more ways than you care to admit. And if you really want to be comfortable for new people and um, if you really want to do it well, you're not going to squander time. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry, but anything more than 37 seconds on announcements, unless it's super mission critical, is squandering time in that worship service that people should be connecting to God. Um, yeah. You're trying to connect people to people, which needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But in worship, you're really prominently supposed to be connecting people to God. Yeah. Um, so don't squander that time. Yeah. Yeah, the other 167 hours of the week. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> effectively used elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all right. All of these modes of communication that you've talked about really talk about how to give information from uh, from your church to your church. Yeah. Yeah, most people, when you come to inherit a church as a pastor, you're dealing with a uh, community that's insular. Uh, the church world is notoriously insular, and we protect people and we shelter people. Um, but when the churches have been growing and when churches are dynamic, they're externally focused. And so one of the biggest decisions you have to make as a pastor is the total amount of time that you will help Bob at the 9 o'clock service connect with John at the 10.30 service because they go to the same church. Um, And if you only have one service, you're still working on connecting Bob and John. Just they sit in different pews and they won't talk to each other. Uh And most pastors think that they're doing good, healthy work. And sometimes it is. But most of us spend... A vast majority of our time and our energy helping people in our church connect with other people in our church and to be an effective church we have to communicate with people outside of our church you have to do evangelism and we're going to give a whole episode yeah it's our next episode i hope (laughs) yeah how do you communicate outside your church you know if you're like me and you started with my husband and i it's no option but to communicate Mm -hmm. to the community um in theory, you have an option. Yes. Yeah. You could be... Our church would survive for about 12 years right now, is my guess, um, if we did no external work. So if mm-hmm. I wanted to be a lazy pastor, I could meet my budget every year. I could feel good about myself because I took care of and all my shut-ins. you probably will be there in 12 years, so yeah. you could leave a hero. Right. I could leave in eight years as a hero 
with the church that felt good about themselves and done nothing for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as a pastor, I've always had to make decisions about how much energy I spend on now pointing the church externally. Yeah. So you first have to make communication internal decisions to help the church understand the external focus that it has to have. Okay. So that's a whole set of communication plans and strategies. And then you have another set of communication plans and strategies to actually go and engage the external people. Mm -hmm. So the other 90% of the population of the city of Leroy that I live in that doesn't go to church, how do I communicate with them? Um, And so you need to have first communicated to your local church that you're going to be doing that as a priority and that they're going to be doing that as a priority. And then you have to develop the strategy to go outward. Yeah, that sounds like a whole podcast in and of it itself. Is, it Probably is. more than one. Yeah, but but I will share this. Some things are strategic. You mentioned the bulletin. The bulletin, mm-hmm. I made it dual-purposed. As many things as you can make dual-purposed, do it. Yeah. Uh, your business card, make it dual-purposed. Have an invitation slot on it so that mm-hmm. somebody could use it as, their, as a layperson or use the pastor. Say, come with me to this worship service. Have a spot to fill it in on the back. Use that. Facebook, have your church's Facebook page. It communicates tons of things to your church about what's going on in it. Mm-hmm. But we now use Facebook Live. Yeah. I spent you know, a few hours setting up the technology for it. And what we gained as a church was internal and external communication. Yeah. Uh, I can communicate and internally. It's free. It is free, people. It is free. If you have a smartphone, you can do it at the bare minimum requirement. If you want to do it with excellence and have it do more, more things, I put up a, a, a Facebook Live of how to do that not okay. that long ago. You can On check it out. On your Facebook page? Yeah, but um, what you can understand is that I have video that goes to my nursery so all my nursery volunteers can watch and participate in the worship services that's currently going on wow. with no latency. Um, I have the sermon recorded. And then I have Facebook Live going on for the 9 o'clock service, our, tradi- our contemporary service that we have every week. And I can tell you how many people watched it live, how many people watched it afterward. I can mm-hmm. tell you how many people watched it for how many minutes. Yeah. Um, it's really pretty amazing. Yeah. And you didn't purchase software to do that. Well, you-, you can do it on your phone for free. We purchased a video game capture device. Okay. Um, Kids, so you added some hardware. We added some hardware. But in terms of the software to do it, it's press play. Press play. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would argue is that you'll want to record the sermon separately than the Facebook Live, or at least be able to download and edit later. You need to know your copyright law. Yeah, with the um, music. Yep. I know. That's don't, what people want to hear. Yeah. They don't want to hear us yammer, but we can put ourselves yammering up there, out there, whatever. Yeah, that's free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Just know that there are tools and resources if you just open your mind to it and spend a little bit of time working on it. And once it's done, now for us it's easy. Yeah. Our tech guy shows up on Sunday morning. He turns one key, our sound system and displays and everything come on. And then he turns the soundboard to what it needs to be. And he hits one button on one laptop dedicated to this chore of Mm -hmm. Facebook Live and recording. And the whole service is recorded. Wow. And then at the end of the service, he hits that same button again. Wow. I mean... You make it simple, and people will do it. And then when people do it, results start to follow. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. So, yeah, Good we'll talk about evangelism on the next one. Uh, but to be a church and to talk about communication, know that when you inherit a church, most of its communication is for itself. And if you're really going to be church, it needs to go outward. Amen. Amen. 
All right, look for that on the next podcast.